I know for, for me, working with uh, youth for the past 10 years um, plus, uh, it's been something that's been pretty heavy on my heart when I see a college student or a, a high school student go off to college and everybody says bye to. You know, everybody's like, have fun, you know, not too much fun, kind of joke about it a little bit, right? And the, the problem that I, I've always had with that is that it's not goodbye. It's, it's welcome to the real world, right? Kind of, not really quite yet, but it's the next phase of their life that they're entering into. And raise your hand if you have had kids. If you're in here and you, you've had kids, okay. Raise your hand if you've only spent the most in your life $100 on your kids. <laughs> Am I the only one? No. <laughs> no. But the point is that kids are an investment, right? We're, we're trying to invest in their lives, not just monetarily, but with, with the foundation of faith that that they need to stand on, that they have in their life, um, not just for the next stage of their life, but for the rest of their life. And the, the issue, we've always just kind of sent them off. And I, how many of you remember your first two weeks of college? Yeah, right? Okay. Not very many, whether it was because it was too long ago or uh, you were doing things the first two weeks that you don't, shouldn't have been doing. Um, but... Uh, we, we kind of send them off. We, we spend 18 years investing in, in our children and just hoping and praying that we've done enough. And there's a uh, Fuller Youth Institute out of California, Dr. Kara Powell. I know uh, Jerry and Amy have read, read her book, Sticky, Sticky Faith, a few years back, and um, what I love about their, their group is that they continually search, investigate in the lives of high school students, all youth, but specifically high school students, through the end of their college careers. And what they found is that 70% of the high school graduates that they, that they interviewed after their first semester in college said that they were not prepared for, for college. They, whether it was academically or whether it was spiritually, whether it was just emotionally, they were not prepared. And I don't know if some of you may have seen on Facebook or heard about the student, the local student, at, he was the valedictorian of this class, and he gave a speech, uh, but the speech he gave wasn't the one he turned in to be reviewed. And he said just that, that not that school's fault, but our broken education system, he didn't feel like he was prepared for the... He was valedictorian, and he still didn't feel like he was prepared for the next stage of life. And he said it confidently, but I think deep down, it was out of fear. You know, and he was afraid, and he wanted the students to not, not live out of fear, but to strive to, um, to search for their dreams. Because at no other stage of their life, of your life, are you going to be able to go after your dreams like you are at this point of your life. And the other startling statistic that uh, the Fuller Youth Institute found out was that 40 to 50 percent of students 
that were raised in the church and that have a personal faith with Christ lose it after, after their college career. And if you think about the investment that parents put in, in the church, we have volunteers in the kids' ministry up there, and, and if you've volunteered, and if you're a parent, and if you're a member of this congregation, are those statistics okay with you? Like 40 to 50%. So what Fuller Institute was looking at was, well, how can we remedy this? These, these statistics aren't good for us. We're not happy with them. And one of the things they found out that it has been working is that we don't say goodbye. We pack our bags and go with them. No, not really. Colin, how would, how would you like that? Would, uh, hey, guys, this is, this is mom. <laughs> hey, guys, this, I know some of us would, some parents would like to go with their kids, but uh, the point is that every student needs five people speaking into their lives. They found that it's not really a magic number, but they said in an average of five people that are going with the students, not necessarily physically, but writing letters, sending text messages. Colin, in your first year in school, if you showed up at your dorm and there was a pizza guy there waiting, saying, here's your pizza, and you said, I didn't deliver a pizza, and say, yeah, but Billy from the church just sent it for you because he was thinking about you and thought you might like pizza. That'd be pretty sweet, right? Yeah, no pressure, guys. He's, he's waiting on a pizza. Um, but, you know, and, and being part of their life there, not there to judge them, not there to say, quit doing that, but there to love on them, support them. And I think one of the biggest things that our, our culture right now doesn't do is that we don't champion the kids. We think, well, they're going to college, they're supposed to do those things. Have you ever heard that? Like, that's, that's what you do in college. You just go to a place where there's a bunch of attractive ladies <laughs> and uh, attractive people. And to an extent, you know, unlimited alcohol, unlimited drugs, anything that you want to get into. And we just say, well, good luck. We'll be praying for you, which prayer is huge. But what about being there for them when they fall? And one of the studies that they looked at when, they, when the students return from college, they're not returning to the church because they have this baggage that they're bringing home with them. And they have shame, they have guilt, and all these things. And what if we could preempt that so that maybe they don't have that baggage? Uh, you can say, yeah, I've been there. I've been to college, and I know the temptations, I know the struggles, and you can kind of help walk them through it. And then when they return, it's like, yeah, we love you just the same. And I can't, can't imagine, you know, the, the shame and the guilt that people, when they went to Jesus, that they had. You know, they weren't worthy of coming before, before the Lord. Yet, Jesus loved them unconditionally and healed them. And I can't help but think that that's what we're called to do uh, for this, the, one of the most important generations coming up is to uh, be with them. So we wanted to recognize that, and that short video was, um, the first time I watched that video, there's a whole series of videos that take us through the stages of, of the life of this girl, and from birth all the way to graduating. And 
I bawled my eyes out when I saw that the first time because I was like, man, that's my daughter, you know. And, and I can't help but think that, you know, as parents and men and women of God that we want to see these kids that not just because of our investment, because they are a treasured child of God, that we want to see them succeed both in life and in their faith. Um, so we did a, we're going to do things a little bit differently with our graduates from here on out, hopefully. Um, in the studio out, outside here, there, I have each of their uh, pictures. And on the back it has their name and where they're going to school. And if you want to get involved, uh, just take one. I want you to focus on one, one student. You know, you could take one of each and pray for all of them. But I just want, to, want each of you to focus on one student. And they can be your person that you pray for for the next year, the next four years. And anymore, it's five years uh, going through college. And uh, so you could do that. That's, that's like entry level, if you will, um, is to grab a card and, and to have that person to pray for. If you want to do a little bit more and maybe send a pizza and uh, have a phone call. Uh, and here's the deal with, with this generation. Um, you don't have to be able to text, but you have to text them before they get a phone call because they won't answer the phone. They'll answer a text, but they won't answer a phone call until they know who it is and what's going on. But, uh, but I want to help you guys take some of those barriers down. And if you're interested in connecting with a college student um, this next year, next four years, uh, email me. Uh, my email's in the in the guide and in the bulletin, tommycoffee at mac.com, um, or call the church office, and we'll get you connected with, with a student. So I'll just uh, read off the uh, high school graduates that we have this year. Uh, Kaylin Jones, she, she's graduating from South Range High School. Uh, she'll be attending Malone University. Um, and she'll be working towards a degree in marketing and communication arts. Um, our next one, next graduate is Travis Schaefer. He's graduating from South Range High School. Uh, he's going to be attending Kent State University. Uh, we'll be working towards a degree in nursing, and we'll be t participating in the Air Force ROTC program. Uh, next is Jason Cudler. Uh, he's graduating from South Range also. Uh, he's going to Embry-Riddle, located in Daytona Beach. He, uh, he'll be working towards his degree in engineering. And we have Emily Nall that graduated from Salem, and she's going to Kent State University with a degree in biology. And uh, her sister um, just graduated, Kaylee, um, Kaylee Nall, just graduated from Kent State in early childhood education, and she's continuing her education uh, at Walsh for her reading endorsement. But last and not least, we have um, in this service, uh, Colin Zimmerman. If you want to come on up, Colin. He's graduating from Salem. He's going to be attending Miami of Ohio and plans uh, to have a degree in molecular wow, genetics. What is that exactly? What do you do with that? Um, you, you look at uh, genes and how they affect uh, development. So it would be some disease. Cool. Cool. That's awesome. And uh, so it's kind of a medical field in, in, in a lot of ways, Bio, a lot of biology. Um, uh, we uh, have a Bible that we were giving to all the college graduates, and I got the thin ones, so you don't have to like carry your big old Bible in and be embarrassed and stuff. If you need to, if you need to hide it the first week, you know, or whatever, that's okay. But we want you to have that. 
And, you know, one of the, uh, I had a blessing this week as I was preparing uh, for this message and, and for uh, graduation Sunday, but inside of each one, there's, there's just somebody that came, came by and said, I want to put a card in there, I want to leave them a lo- note and a little gift, and just let them know that the church is, church is for them and that they're loved. And so, congratulations, Colin. And uh, I know he had a bunch of tassels and, and, and cords and stuff, so uh, he's, he's done quite well, and uh, he's, he's on for bigger and better things. And uh, I just want to pray over you before, before you go. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we just thank you for uh, all the graduates and for the things that you're doing in their lives, and I especially thank you for calling this morning. And I pray, Lord, that... Uh, there are people in this church that just want to surround him with, with their prayers, with their love, and uh, walk through this next phase of his life with him. And Father, we just thank you for uh, showing us the way that no matter where we go, as long as we keep our eyes on you, that you will uh, not only have our backs, but you will, you will be there to comfort us, you'll be there to support us. And Father, in return, we just pray that we can uh, honor you by by following your will. And we just thank you for the life that not just Colin has lived, but that he, that he is to live out uh, according to your plan, Lord. And uh, just go with him. Not only protect him, but Father, through this next stage of his, phase of his life, um, help him grow in you even more. Even though he may be pressured and feel the temptations, Lord, that uh, this is a time for him to be the light of the world that uh, in a dark place that uh, so many people don't think about and just let happen whatever happens. And Father, just help him to be to be your guiding light in a dark place. It's in Jesus' name I pray and ask these things. Amen. Good. All right. Good job. So, um, what's my time? All right. What's that? Running late already? All right. Well, here's my dilemma. Here, here's my dilemma. Um, Leonard's like, "What's your graduation Sunday?" And I'm, I think I'm going to go out and uh, be with the family for for a weekend. I said, "Yeah, do that." And me not even thinking, I'm like, "I was." We were doing graduation Sunday during the bridge service. Well, we have all the graduates and and everything to announce and bring up, and then we have a baptism also, and so I'll have like 10 to 15 minutes of my message time in the bridge service, and in here I got, what, another 45 minutes or so to kill, so, uh, but it really is a a blessing uh, to to be here with you guys, and I know that um, for many of us, it's, it's, uh, it's a week in and week out thing, but I know being with the kids up in the children's wing and getting to know them and getting to know you guys, that when we come together, we truly are uh, family, uh, the good and the bad, ups and downs, but because we have a, our center in Christ, that, uh, that we, we can get through anything together and support one another. So <clears throat> the message series that Leonard told me that I was preaching on, uh, <laughs> which, which, is, which is good, um, and I, I thought, man, what a Sunday to kick off this series um, on the Ten Commandments. You know, the, the ten words and that, that are most significant to us. And, and 
you know, when, especially when you're going off to college and, and uh, thinking of all the things that, uh, that are waiting for you out there to just follow the Ten Commandments and you'll be fine, right? Uh, but we're going to look a little bit deeper at those Ten Commandments and, and what they mean um, for us. And really the, the original intention of the commandments that, that God wanted that even later on in Jesus' life um, people misunderstood uh, so our theme is giving God credit when he is, he has, he starts something good in your life. And we're going to focus on, uh, Exodus chapter 20, uh, verses one through three. And I know the college graduates or the high school graduates and the college graduates are like, yes, I'm free Exodus. You know, we're free from our parents. We're free from our slavery that we had <laughs> at home. But Really looking at what God has started in your life and honoring him through the next stage of your life by being faithful. Um, And that's really what these commandments were. And they're necessary for practical holiness. And I really, when when I read that phrase, practical holiness, and... I thought, man, that, that is such a powerful two words put together. Practical holiness. Because we think of being holy, you know, being set apart, uh, you know, living a Christ-like life. But practical holiness, what does that look like? What does that require of me to do? And not just know and hear. And it's really for a new type of community. A new a community that is creating it's a, a new identity. And does anybody know chapter 20, approximately, when the Ten Commandments, where was that? Where was that at? Where, where, was, where was Moses given the Ten Commandments? Sinai, Mount Sinai, right? All right, so this was three months after they had left Egypt. And so only three months had gone by, and they already had complaining, quarreling, Complaining that they needed food, complaining that they needed water. And for me, one of the coolest parts that I saw in Moses' character is that every time he was faced with adversity, either from the Egyptians or from the Israelites, the people he was leading, was he turned to God and said, what do I do, Lord? Where do I go? He didn't try to fix it himself. He didn't try to go and find a river when they needed water, no, he would turn to God and God led him to a rock of all places. So Moses was, was instrumental in leading these people just because he was turning to the Lord and not on his own, on it by his own doing. And through the commandments, uh, you, you can, the Israelites could really see the nature of God and we can see the nature of God and what he wants and how he wants them and how he wants us to live. And really, if you the Ten Commandments, how many of you have ever looked at them as like the do nots, the shall nots? You better not do this, you better not do that. And you're like, oh man, life's no fun anymore, is it? <laughs> but the beauty of these, there, there's an, a real beauty to these laws. Because they have everyone's interest in mind. If you, if you follow these, you're taking care of one another. That's, that's God's intention for this. And they're boundary markers for community health. And how many of you guys 
speaking of driving, if there, were not, if there weren't speed limits, if there wasn't a speed limit of 55, <clears throat> how many of you would drive whatever speed you felt like, right? Time is, it's probably the most uh, valued resource that we have or lack of, right? And we would just go do whatever we wanted. What's the problem with that? We think we're being safe, but at some point, it becomes dangerous to other people as well. So, really looking at our guardrails and our lines, I see a couple people looking at their spouses and saying, pay attention to that. But they're really guardrails for our life to come alongside God and His will and how we treat one another. Uh, So, like I said, if you fast forward to Jesus' time, People got a real, real twisted sense of this. They, they got, uh, they were like, well, if we follow these, God will bless us. If we don't do this, God will bless us. And not just in this life, but in the next life. And do you know where we get that from? How far back this goes, that, that thought process? So where did the Israelites just come from? Where were they just freed from slavery? Egypt, right? So in Egypt... There were many gods. They worshipped many gods, many idols, many different things. So if they made those gods happy, they felt like they would be blessed. So they had a god for just about every area of their life. And so the passage that we're looking at is going to speak to that. And it's really uh, the foundation of the rest of, of the commandments. So real quick, the first command, uh, have you ever noticed that the commandments, sin is sin, right? We, we, we know that. But God listed these commandments in a little bit of an order, order. Because if you can't do this first one, the rest, you can do them, but they're not going to have any meaning. They're not going to have any purpose. And so the first four commandments mandate one's obligations to, towards God. So what am I obligated to, to, to return to God? The fifth one is honoring one's parents, which pertains to one's family and uh, heritage, and honoring that. The other five preempt acts of violence, and therefore healthy community. And they're kind of in descending order, you know, in severity of, of how crucial they are. Murder, marital infidelity, theft, betrayal through lying and envy. And you think of those things, and you're like, man, well, at least I don't kill anybody, you know. And sometimes we, we feel good about ourselves, right? We feel, uh, well, I'm, I'm not doing that, but envy, that's a tough one, right? And even lying, you know, we like to think that not telling the whole truth is, is okay sometimes. And when we know how it's going to affect the outcome. So, if, uh, so like I said, they're, they're three months removed from Egypt. And how long were they enslaved in Egypt? 430 years. So they understood, the Israelites understood, slavery to be a way of life, right? It's 430 years, that's what their ancestors did, that's what they did. That's all they knew. That's all they knew. Which is important because three months out of slavery being free from that to do what kind of whatever they want as long as it's under the under God's law they were saying 
I don't like this. Let's go back. Doesn't make sense, does it? Because they had an identity as a slave. Now they were trying to find their new identity and who they were. And that's where God wants to help them through this. And God, don't forget everything that's happened up to this point. It's only three months out, but they've had the plagues. They've had, God's led them through the Red Sea. Um, And all these miracles and all these things that God has brought them through, and yet they're still complaining about what God hasn't done for them. And I think that's sometimes our view on life is we look at the things God hasn't done or hasn't fulfilled yet instead of recognizing the things that God has done. And to God be the glory for all of, all of those things. And we can celebrate even the things that he hasn't done because we can have faith and trust in him. So if you will, um, if you want to turn to Exodus 20, uh, chapter 1, verses 3. It's a very simple passage, but sometimes we read over it to get to the murder part, to don't murder. But remember where they were coming from Egypt, there's many gods. And I think a lot of times in our life, we can create gods of our own and idols of our own. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. So Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3. And God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Out of the land of slavery. Hello, reminder. You know, I, that's me. I, I'm the one that did that for you. And it, it's not that God was pointing to himself to how great he is, although he is. He was saying, how can you not understand my love for you? How can you not understand what I want for you and have done for you? And I think, you know, remember you were enslaved. But the problem is that many of us have when we, we don't intend to create our own gods and our own idols, but we're just trying to find our identity and identify ourselves with a group of people for a purpose. And this is where God, his next statement is so crucial in verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. That makes sense if we just read it straight, right? Don't put any other gods above above God. Well, their understanding of gods was, well, we can add another god to the mix. You know, we, we worship many gods. You know, we have a lot of idols. We can, we can throw God in there. And, but he says, before, and actually the, the uh, Hebrew translation for before is, in my presence, do not worship any other gods. It's not, put me above them. It's, don't worship any other gods. So it was very distinct for the Israelites. It wasn't just, worship me more than the other gods. It was, worship only me, the one and only God. And today, as I said, I think we allow things to become our gods or idols. Money, fame, sports. Uh, work, or even pleasure. You know, we, we don't intend it to be that way. We just kind of sneak, it kind of sneaks in and it grabs our attention a little bit and more of our attention, more of our time, more of our attention, more of our time. And pretty soon, 
we're known as that person that is doing that. Not that that thing's bad in itself, but that person is, you know, the workaholic. That person is uh, the baseball player. That person is known for that thing. And I think about that in our lives, and how cool would it be to be to reverse that, to go play baseball, to go to work, and to be known in those places as the one that's following after their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Rather than succeeding, focusing on succeeding in, in that. I, there's a story of a, of a speaker at a conference that I just went to recently. He, uh, every day he went through the drive-thru um, at, a, at a local coffee shop, and um, he just, one day it hit him, he said, why can't I ask them if I can pray for them? Or what can I pray for you about, is what he said. And he had been going there for three years. So he's like, oh man, this is going to be awkward. Been going here for three years, they know me by name, and I'm just going to, out of the blue, ask them how can I pray for them. That's going to be pretty, pretty strange. Well, long story short, he did that for, I think it was three months or so. And a couple of the people at the window, the, the girls at the window said, man, thank you for praying, you know, this, this has changed in my life, this has is, this is really helped me. <clears throat> and then the next time he, he came up, I think it was like three months later, the manager came to the window and said, here you go, thank you. And he goes, well, here, I'm a paid. He, she's like, from now on, it's on us. You've changed our entire culture just by praying for each girl at the window. You've changed our entire culture of our, of our crew and of our her family there. And I, I think about that. And when she referred to them it as a family, it became that close. It became more intimate in how they cared for one another. Not, well, that's not my job, you know, kind of thing. Just do what needs done and supporting one another in that process. And sometimes we, as a, back to allowing things to become idols, do they, is there something in our life, in your life, and in our lives, that's, that is our identity? Is there something that's keeping you from fully surrendering to the Lord? Is there any situation in your life where you would be ashamed or afraid to put God above that because of what that status might do for you? What, what lower your status in that environment? And it's, a, it's an ongoing challenge and struggle to, to evaluate yourself. And that's one of the hardest things we do in life is evaluate self-evaluation. It's all, it's really easy to evaluate others, right? So really to see where they're at. Um, but it's really hard to evaluate ourselves. Um, because we don't, that means we're going to have to change. We're going to have to change our way of thinking and thought process. And just like the Israelites, this was mind-blowing to them. Like, what? You're kidding me. I can't, you know, what, what's going to happen to our crops if I don't, you know, pray to that God and this idol? And, and it's like, trust me, he says. Look what I have led you through so, so far. And Colin I, and the other graduates, I can't help but think that when you go off to college, that God is saying, look what 
I've brought you through. And look what I've provided for you, you know, loving family and everything to be where you're at today. And it really is an investment. And I, I know that, you know, growing up in the church and, and different things, you know, you and me are a lot alike in that sense and, and where you have to take your own faith and you have to run with it and uh, stand your ground and have that foundation. And, but for the rest of us, what stage of life are we in and do we have that foundation to do what needs done, what God is calling us to do? And how do we keep from creating those false gods in our lives? You know, where is our focus? Where is our attention? Where is our resources going to? And all I, I want to say is ending with, it's the one true God that we can have our identity in. It's not being a teacher. It's not being um, CEO. It's not being a good, making sure you're a good mother. Although those, all those things are important. <clears throat> but you won't be able to do those things to its fullest ability until you keep the Lord front and center in your life. So how do we do that? How do we keep the Lord front and center in our lives? And specifically today when I see these college graduates, they have a lot of distractions coming at them, right? They have a lot of things that are say, that's saying, just put that on the back burner right now. You can come back to your faith later. The problem is, sometimes they don't because they feel like they have too much baggage. So what, what can we do to support them? What can we do to support each other in our lives? And I can't help but think that being in a community uh, like this, not just on Sunday morning, but being involved in a community group, a, a Sunday school a Bible study, um, to encourage one another. And not just in this community, how are you going to encourage those outside of, outside of here? And, for, and don't forget that just like the Israelites, sometimes we'll come at them with God, and they'll be like, well, I have these other gods that I'm worshiping. Just like we're tempted to do. And to have patience and kindness and gentleness, uh, all the fruits of the Spirit with, with those people and with it with each other. And I, I just, I've seen college students graduate, and in my own statistics, I, I could agree that it's probably 40 to 50 percent that are after college or even during college are involved and connected to a church. And I think that's part of our responsibility, you know, as the church, to be there for them. Because one person um, is not enough. You know, they have parents. They have, you know, good parents that are leading them and have led them in a good direction. You have good friends that are leading you in a good direction, hopefully. And I think sometimes we, we separate the college students from us and be like, really... How many times have you, are you, have you been asked, what are you doing in college? What's your, what's your major, right? A lot. All it is, is all these adults, they don't have it figured out. They're just trying to get ideas of what they could do with, with the rest of their life. That, that's all it is. <laughs> and, 
But in seriousness, you know, where can we go from here? And where, how can we support one another, uh, both college graduates and the ones sitting beside you? And if you feel called to, uh, to do that, to join a group, um, to uh, adopt, so to speak, a college student, um, feel free um, to pick up the cards in the studio, as well as uh, emailing me to get their contact information so that uh, you can have a little bit more one-on-one -on -one conversation. And Colin, if somebody calls you, says, hey, you got five minutes, answer. You'll have five minutes. All right. They're, uh, they're, they're trying to love on you, not trying to judge you. So, um, so if you will, would you just bow in a word of prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, um, I just thank you for, for your word, uh, for Moses being the faithful servant and just looking to you um, to guide your people. And Father, just as they were trying to come to their new identity and kind of their, their self-worth and what they're supposed to do, Lord, reveal to us what we're to do for you, Lord. I think that the things that you've laid on my heart this morning is just a, a beginning, a stepping stone uh, to what you would have us do. And Father, I just thank you for, uh, for your son, Jesus, that surrendered his life uh, so that we could be, be one with you. Lord, we just, uh, we just really lift up, um, lift up these college students and these high school graduates that, uh, that you continue to work in their lives, Father, just as you're continuing to work in our lives. And Father, some, some people may be sitting in this room saying, I've heard the, this story before, and that was, that was great, but Father, create in all of us a new heart today. Help us to see things from your perspective and take, take our, our own ambitions out of the mix and help us to do your will here on this earth, Lord. And it's really, we're not rescued. We are rescued from eternal death, but more than being rescued from, Lord, you've rescued us for your purpose and your will for this life and the next. And help us keep that in mind that our, our praises back to you and our life are just that. It's our worship to you. Heavenly Father, just be with us today as we go from here. And that we um, are just the light of the world in this, in this trying times of uh, being di very diverse and very different people across our nation, across this country. And even across the world, Lord. Help us just be your light. And that's all that matters. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And it's in his name we pray. Everybody said, Amen.